All right, everybody, welcome to the 360th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage. Just got to Medford, drove from Beaverton um, at like about 10, and I had one hell of a issue with my car. Um, you know my car is a, the ultimate piece of shit, right? Every time you drive that car, I send up a little prayer for you. And I'm not really even religious because I'm just like, <laughs> I, I know how much trauma that car has caused you. It's always a, a jack of all. It's always like a jack in the box. You never know what you're going to that thing is going to pop up and be like, ooh, we're breaking down right now. So I got to, the, I had like 30 miles left on the tank. So I got into the gas station at like Cottage City. It's like the halfway be- point between Portland and Medford. And I got in, and I, like I hit the lever, and I, I'm I'm doing my own gas. So I hit the gas lever, nothing. I'm like, what the fuck? Hitting the gas lever again, nothing. So I had to spend like 30 minutes at the the gas covering of my car, scraping and scraping and scraping with a, with my uh, AAA card, trying to get in so I could gas up. It took me 45 minutes of looking like I'm breaking into my car with my with my card to to uh, get that shit open and get 30 bucks worth of gas. Oh, in. You, you couldn't get the. What could you get open? So, you know, the 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 cover that you hit like the lever yep. to unhook. That wasn't popping open. That wasn't popping open. So I had to do the AAA gas thing. And I was like, oh, God, is this the 2024 version or the 2023? So I ruined the 2024 version trying to get my car open. So (laughs) one day when we're famous podcasters, I won't drive my Corolla. That's given me just the most amount of uh, anxiety when driving. But, you know. You know, my car is like the complete opposite. Like it's 2002 Nissan Sentra. Paint it needs a paint job desperately, but I'm not going to do it. But that car, knock on wood, is an absolute saint. And when we were taking Adrian home from the hospital, it was like we got this miraculous, like small window where it wasn't freezing raining, but there was still so much ice and snow. And I don't have chains, but like. We had to get up out of there. Like we need, we had been in the hospital for three days and I'm taking, I found like an old CD. I've got the, the defrost full blast. I am trying, and this is our car's been parked outside for three days. It just, it's been caked on there. So I'm out there for an hour taking a CD, the jewel case, and I'm scraping the hell off of everything. And it was a, like a proud Papa moment. I was like, we did this. And on the way home, it starts the freezing rain again and your windshield wipers can't keep up with that. So like we're a, a block from home. Thankfully, no one is on the road. When I roll down the window, I've got my head out the window like a damn dog, like trying to navigate this. Olga's like, I think we should pull over. I'm like, babe, if we pull over, it's not starting up again. Like we're going to get stuck. We just got to go. We got just trust me on this. I, I've, I've driven through snow in this Sentra. There was another snowstorm in 2017. And I'm, it took us like eight hours from Salem to Portland. That's me normally from. <laughs> I see, I see Subarus. I see semis. Like you go up through Lake Oswego and it's just like a, a maze. And here I am in this little O2 Sentra. And I'm just like, beep, 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 cruising along very slow, very steady, but like got home. So like definitely feel you on the car adventures but i would say i i love my car whereas i can tell you want to throw your car into a trash heap dog like 
I've actually just never had a like they start up or whatever, but this this car has been a melon. This car has been an absolute lemon, not melon, a lemon. It starts up, but whatever. Yeah, it, well, it can't go over uh, 50 on hills. And, you know, Sexton Summit. So Oregon. You got the pass. You got everything I, down there. Yeah, bro. And, but I will, I will give my car some credit. Listening to music in the car is dope. So I put on Rip the Jacker. And I was like, I'll fuck with this. I know every word. I've known every word for years. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like 90 degrees and 90 miles an hour in this motherfucker just jamming. <laughs> So shout out to it for, you know, breaking the law on the speed limits. But <laughs> I know, I, I mean, it took me like, it should be a four hour trip. It took me like seven, you know. God damn. You must really love your mom to make that try. Yeah. I, I, I used all my miles to get uh, back here for Christmas. I'm I'm not dealing with that, that stuff. But this is not car talk. This is the 360th episode of the Holy Backboard podcast. Sage, the way this team is playing, I think they might want to hear more <laughs> car talk, more Thanksgiving <laughs> talk. Happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, happy just get around friends and family and just stuff yourself and, you know, do th- nice things for others and uh, just have have fun. Um, but yes, we are a basketball podcast for better or for worse the trailblazers i actually picked the game up on you you thought they would somehow beat the jazz buddy that didn't happen i still uh, so have you, a game lead don't i yeah you you do have a game lead on on me this season uh it was a, a pretty rough go for the trailblazers they um concluded their just odd three game eight day road trip um in utah losing 115 to 99 uh, offensive woes struck again in that contest as they only scored, uh, I believe, six points over the last like 11 minutes of, of action. Uh, pretty rough scene in Salt Lake City. Uh, Wednesday, I was in attendance on a back to back. They kept it close, but Cleveland pulled away in the fourth quarter, 109 to 95. Uh, the Lakers on Friday in an in season tournament game, which eliminated the Trailblazers from advancing. Uh, defeated the defeated our Blazers 107 to 95. And then uh, just an absolute bloodbath happened on Sunday with the Thunder coming off of an impressive victory in Golden State the night before. They're coming in on the second night of back-to-back did not matter. 134 to 91, uh, one of the worst losses in recent memory. If you are a Trailblazer fan, it drops the team to... Whew, all the way down the West leaderboard. They are three and ten. Only the Spurs have a worse record in the West, just by a half of a game. Lost seven in a row. Owners of the league's worst offense still. Sage, how do you want to kick this one off? Well, I mean, first of all, like we knew the offense was going to be bad because game one we noticed the lack of spacing, and it hasn't improved. So yes. I, this is exactly what I wanted to uh, jump in. You know in on. me in spacing, like uh, the the Oklahoma City game. The I watched the Blazers broadcast and they talked about usage rate, and I was like, "Dog, I was born to answer these questions." You knew I did. Like German Grant's the leader in usage rate. Other broadcasters, of course. So you but- you mentioned the offense. Yes, we know it would struggle, 
but did we know it would struggle to this extent, even even with the injuries? And let me present to you what I what I found when I was when I was looking at it because we we did all of the the statistics last week. You know, they they were last in you know, offensive rating, last in offensive points per game. I mean, damn near every major offensive category, they were dragon ass. So I looked last year and I was like, okay, we played a fairly G League heavy roster last year as well, especially after Damian Lillard kind of packed it up and they said, we're shutting you down. That was after the Utah game. So last season, the Blazers failed to score 100 points just 11 times. They actually scored over 100 points eight out of the final 10 games after Damian Lillard went down. I looked at some of those box scores. You still have some of the, the same familiar faces. You have Justin Manaya, Skylar Mays. Uh, they even had Kevin Knox was in the starting lineup. Like Kevin Knox starts with the Pistons, bud. It, last year. No, no. Kevin Knox starts yes, with Yes, now he does. Absolutely. So he's a starting level caliber, caliber player. <laughs> So if you average that out 80% over 82 games, you're only going to fail to score hundred points, 16 times. How many times in 13 games do you think the Blazers have failed to score hundred points this year? Just off the top of your head. Eight or nine. Okay. You were a little bit over. So seven times the Blazers have failed to score a hundred points. That's 58% of the time. If we're going to project that out over 82 games, that means they are going to do that 48 times over the course of an 82-game season compared to 16 last year. And Sage, they, they have NBA talent. You have Shaden Sharp, who's capable of getting you 20 a night. you got Jeremy Grant, 20 to 25 point per game score. DeAndre Ayton is a walking 2010 center. Uh, you've had Malcolm Brogdon for a, a number of games. Like, you've... I get it. You're you're missing Anthony Simons. You're missing Scoot Henderson, but it's not like the roster was much improved last season. So my my question is, why why are we seeing such a significant drop offensively? Like you, you said, it, we knew we would struggle, but to me, I was really surprised looking at those numbers because we we ran out some some pretty tough lineups last year, but it just it has absolutely been like a rock fight watching this team on offense. I, I think, I mean, like I bet in those games, Matisse Thibel didn't play extended minutes. And then, so in those games last year, who was the, who was the three? Like Justin Manaya. God, I think the, a big part of it is that we're playing humongous minutes for guys that, they may be able to score. You know what? Tumani can score, but the opposing defenses don't think they he they're dealing with the Dalen Terry effect, where in theory we can score from the three point line, but they don't they don't send any they don't contest. So with Matisse and and uh Tumani but you're 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 saying it's more of a scouting no i think opposing, it's a spacing issue because, because opposing coaches are now saying just let them let them shoot where maybe last year you're saying so you're it's, it, it, essentially it's three on five offensively every time because if matisse let's just say that and there has been moments where this has happened i believe in the cleveland game Tumani and matisse were our wings for that for a, a, a few minutes that's three on five offensively 
or eight on three because they don't you just don't get the respect when you have a complete and utter non-shooter like Matisse and someone that hasn't gotten the rep from the NBA uh, coaches yet in Tumani. And Tumani's not that high of a usage player right now. So I think that part of the reason that we were more successful is that we we were just more aggressive offensively. I feel like this year we are very, very basic and kind of passive on taking shots, unless it's Jeremy Grant or Shaden Sharp. The rest of it's kind of passive. We're driving to the hoop and what happens, happens. So I think that it's part spacing, part risk aversion, where, like, I, you know, I, if Kevin Knox is in the game and he got the type of shots that Tumani got, he's shooting. I think one of the biggest Knox things- is a is a decent. I don't know why we let him go. I don't know why we demoted him to the G League. I think he's a better option. He would play, than minute. he would play minutes on this team. Right? I mean, I, so just just for just for reference, the Portland at the Clippers, looking to play spoiler, puts, puts up 125 points. Shaden, Kevin Knox, Skylar Mays, Trendon, uh, Jonathan Williams, Shaq Harrison, Jabari Walker, John Butler, Justin Minaya. Kevin Knox put up 30 and 11 that game. Yeah, getting, I feel like... Like I know it's just it's one game, but that but what yeah, I'm no, no, no. trying to get at is there has been a clear drop off, and I don't think if somebody is going to say, "Oh, it's because of injuries," I would argue that the lineups we are playing now are significantly more. Yeah, talented. you got Jeremy and Shaden and Da. I think that it really is NBA clubs are just disrespecting our spacing to a like disrespectful level and i like you even told me like in the game that you saw in that Cavs game it was like oh they're just not even thinking about tumani or 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 or, uh matisse so i think part of it's that and then i think like we're kind of playing scared offensively like we're 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 focusing on on uh skylar mays who isn't a playmaker to be that lead guy and like I'm seeing people say that he's going to get seven assists a game. No, he's going to get like four. So I I think if we're going to be injured, it's time to unleash Shaden Sharp and Jeremy Grant for them to get like 37% usage. Get them some reps. Get Shaden some more reps. I know Jeremy Grant's always going to accept more usage. The Skylar Mays experiment, I think that it's proven to me at least, he he is a two, not a one at all. And right now we just, we don't have a, guy that can handle the weight as a, as a uses guy unless it's the it, unless it's Jeremy Grant or uh Shaden Sharp we just don't have a guy so put the ball in their hands make them make a decision I think our offense will go higher like I think the usage rate goes it went from Scoot Malcolm Jeremy DA and uh Shaden and now Jeremy and Shaden and DA have mo- most of it but the the people around them just aren't fulfilling their uh obligations offensively and i think no, I that think- our defense will fall too where we're just i don't think we're going to be the wizards bad this year but we're going to be close yeah you're starting to see the 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 the, the culminative effect of playing shaden and jeremy heavy minutes i believe they're both top three i think shaden last i looked is leading the league in minutes yeah. per game you're just seeing too many minutes being put on their 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 shoulders and they're wearing down um but it, I, couldn't we use them more productively in the minutes that they play for them to have 
more I just I don't think it's appropriate to be playing them consecutively what if it was less minutes but more productive minutes oh yes i'm I, i'm exactly less less minutes you need to reduce what they're going to do i think you probably need to stagger their yeah. minutes uh so you can let each one of them shine because they are one of your your few offensive weapons like i did see certain ways that they're trying to alleviate the spacing issue i think i think the coaching staff is in, in a way, partly responsible for the, the spacing yeah, issue. Like, I think Chris Murray, he may not give you what Tumani gives you defensively, but he can Do spread the floor. I think, I think Tumani, to his credit, is more active. Chris is yes. starting to get acclimated. I, I, I think Tumani's kind of what's the opposite of risk averse? Uh, he's he, conservative, he's very safe. He's I think Chris Murray's safe. I think Tumani. I think the so fact that he crashed, I don't realize he's out there. If oh, I'm totally. like, he I has a dunk against OKC, and I was like, "You have that? Where has that been?" Did you? Uh, you so you don't watch any Blazers broadcasting, right? Hell no, no, no okay. disrespect to the the broadcasters themselves or the or the camera crew, but like, I can't do it with all the fucking ads on the screen. I've told you about the TNT. Yeah, it's totally. So it's, what it's those madness. broadcasters like, do? What they do is they they highlighted the fact that uh, Tumani crashes like at the 99th percentile in the league. And I feel like him crashing all the time leads to really bad defensive sets in transition when you have your four man going for every every tip in and he doesn't get that many rebounds like the ones he gets are. Dramatic. I'll tell you. you think- I'll tell you what that stat is and where it's originating from. It's and from you- trying to be positive because you're a team employee and your team is three and ten. Like you, sometimes you just have to dig until you find something because that's a Thaddeus Young type of stat where the Pacers broadcast used to put up random Thaddeus stats where he's up there with Jordan and LeBron because yeah, that's, that's exactly that Young's legitimately. Fun. That's exactly what they're doing. But I feel like that that type of that type of like broadcasting got in his head oh i'm crashing every time and it leads to three on twos uh, on defense a lot so man it it, i I think the defense is gonna like we kind of we had some fugazi high defensive games and that's about to start with opponent base to say memphis twice right like you're playing toronto you're playing detroit who still hasn't won since opening weekend Mm -hmm. like you've had a lot of you could utah like mm-hmm. yeah, you've had you've had the NBA equivalent of of a cupcake. Like I have seen some sets that they're trying to create more space. They're bringing both bigs up to meet the ball handler and kind of set like a double screen, so it gives the ball handler essentially a free runway mm-hmm. to do a little bit more what they want. I just need to see more of that. I need to see. Did you other feel like ways. it was slow in high school? Like though, the bar is so low for me. Yeah, to yeah, say. That I'm just like, okay, that that is something. But what I want to see more is, okay, the the defense knows you're going to, when Kamara and Thibel are in the game, heaven forbid they both play, which they did against Cleveland at certain points, and that was a disaster with Mobley and Allen roaming the lane. But regardless, if you're going to have one of those two play, and I do realize that Matisse is actually shooting a very high and efficient percentage from three this year, regardless, defenses want him to take that shot. Don't just have them run down to the floor and stay parked in the corner. Have them come set some screens. Have them cut through. Like, you can't give the defense the same look every single time and know, okay, 
I don't have to worry about the if, if they catch and shoot off of dribble pen, that's fine. We're, we're mm-hmm. going to collapse on the ball handler and we're going to welcome that shot. Like, I just need to see more creativity getting these players open. Like, I think that Chauncey Billups, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Chauncey Billups has a damn clue how to incorporate DeAndre Ayton into this offense. No. Scoot Henderson is not. Like, I sometimes think you- I watch it and I see a couple of really nice pick and rolls with Shaden that goes away. Scoots had some good chemistry moments with him, but then they decide against probably the, the best defensive big that they've seen this year in Jared Allen. Okay. Well dump it into Deandre and let him just go one-on-one. And they, they just ran that over and over again against Cleveland and it had minimal success rate. So you have this really efficient, big, and he, I just don't think he has any idea how to incorporate this guy into his offense. I think that Chauncey Billups was expecting Scoot Henderson to just take the reins and create offense because he does. He, who is his offensive coordinator? Is it Scotty Brooks? Because it sure as fuck looks is like it his Scotty brother. Brooks. Scotty Brooks was one of the most unimaginable head coaches offensively in the he NBA. Got fired and he had three potential MVPs on his roster. You know how bad you have to be to get fired when you have three. He's MVPs. our offensive coordinator, bro. We're not a creative offense. No, and it's, then our it's defense is going to get exposed too. And it's not the losing that, that should be impactful or bothersome. You're going to get blown out. You play 82 games. That's not the issue at all. The issue is you're you're not seeing any sort of growth from this coaching staff. The, the same things we're talking about were the same things we've been talking about since 2021. That's a problem. You've had three different rosters. It, it, it hasn't even gotten better. It's gotten worse. Oh, yeah. There's no Damian Lillard just to be like, oh, yeah, give him the ball and let him. And then there's no Scoot Anderson to be aggressive and get to the rim and get DA some rebound tipping chances. Speaking of Scoot, if you were, uh, there was a lot of people that have been low on him for his, his rocky start. I think seeing how the team performs without him is a kind of a confidence boost because you realize how easy he was starting to make things happen for some of his teammates, how just like grown up the offense felt like right now, like I told you on opening night, like, and this even was with Scoop playing, but I was like, this is like an AAU game at, at certain points, but then you started to see him in Toronto and Detroit run sets, get great chemistry with Aiton specifically. And you felt like that was just the, the tippy tip tip of, of the iceberg. And now you see what a drop off looks like. And I know Malcolm has played well for this team, but, but really Scoot was looking to distribute and mm-hmm. getting people to their spots. And um, that was with him doing it with making like two, three pointers all seasons. Like once that three drops, I it's think gonna it's going great. to, it's going to open it up. And I think they're going to be much more, enjoyable to, to watch but like right now it's it's i feel bad for the guys because i feel like they have no direction out there and you can tell that when they're on offense because a lot of times it's one pass shoot quick or shot no, like yeah no pass you know those awesome highlights where you just see like dribble penetration kick swing 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 open three i can't recall a single time this season not even off the top of my head that this team has had something like that it is very you know either iso or a one pass shot like there's yeah. just no there's just no rhythm like you know you're, you're talking about listening to cannabis uh on the car ride down like you there's a flow like you're really into it. like there is no rhythm no rhyme the, the, 
it's the the beats are all off it's just a horrible record what chauncey billups has uh right now for for this blazers offense yeah thank you for mentioning my guy um i think it's it's a it's a bad scenario for everyone because i really don't think that shaden is improving in these times when he has the ball in his hands because it's so easy to hyper focus on shaden sharp when he's in like if you only have to respect Shaden and Jeremy when they're in the game, you hyper focus on them defensively, make them pass the ball to someone who isn't prepared to make that decision. So even in the minutes that he's playing, I don't think he's getting better. I think that he is staying the same. Like he's not developing any new ways to manufacture a shot when he had actual NBA talent around him. I remember I told the, uh, told him about how he was peeking around DA for the shot, getting ready to, you know, his shot prep was a lot more focused and clean. He had time to do those things. Now it's just, let's double team him on the switch, uh, on the pick, force him to get it to one of these guys not prepared. So even, I know that reps are going to help, but it's not going to help him as much as having Malcolm Brogdon, who was one of the most efficient scorers of the basketball this year scoot henderson who's like the best point guard blue chip talent in the last 10 so i I, i'm really hoping that we can get some reinforcements in so we can try and salvage the year not by wins and losses but by developing shaden to taking those all-star or and superstar shots and scoot to get get ready for the nba because i i felt like scoot kind of kind of was lazy with his passes there were a lot of scaries the whole team's been lazy with their passes the whole team has been but yeah but you see scoot in the position where he just throws bad ones i think that he if he has those minutes he can work through some of those those lazy passes so i it it's kind of just riding the wave until we get reinforcements just to develop these guys because right now i just don't see it that they're i think it's important so one, it's crystal clear to me what the front office wants. They, they they don't they want a high draft pick, and and you can tell that with who they're bringing in to fill the shoes. Like mm-hmm. right, you're you're getting a, a Bouye, you're getting Manaya, uh, you're bumping up Skylar Mays. Um, those those aren't I wouldn't say NBA rotational mm-hmm. talents players. I think the Blazers front office needs to start getting a little bit more serious and. Kind of had some adults. I, I don't think Anthony Simons um, solves everything. I don't think Malcolm Brog Malcolm Brogdon might solve a little bit, but like I, when I watch this team, the one of the biggest things that that stands out to me is their lack of a connector. There is no one that's connecting this team together. And regardless of your feelings on them, Josh Hart and Trent Watford were fabulous at finding the right player to pass the ball to, and. Yeah. Specifically, the Utah game, I honed in on because there were so many missed opportunities to get Shaden Sharp easy baskets, to get him into a rhythm, and to get his confidence going when his shot's not dropping. You look at uh, Bouye had a two-on-one fast break. He just runs over his defender when he has Shaden Sharp just trailing behind. All he had to do is just toss it up. Sharp would have thrown it down. There's a highlight right there. Skylar Mays missed Shaden Sharp on that patented curl play that they throw all that they run all the time mm-hmm. on the on the on the inbounds underneath the basket. Yeah. Instead, uh, 
you know, it, it was a quarter, quarter three. The game was still close. There was a three on two fast break. Skyler Mays again. Shaden is asking for the lob and he is right in his peripheral on his left hand side, even a couple of steps ahead of him. Again, throw it up. You have to throw the ball out of the arena for it not to get into Shaden's hands. Instead, he throws it behind him to Dwap Reith, a big man, fumbles it, turns it over. And then lastly, Jeremy Grant had a two on one fast break in the fourth quarter. Uh, again, when Portland was going through a major scoring drought, Sharp's calling for a lob on the wing. Jeremy runs right into his defender instead. Yeah. Offensive foul. Like, I looked at the numbers, and this was prior to the Oklahoma City game, but last year in 1,779 minutes, Shaden had 62 dunks. That's a 3.49% dunk rate. It accounted for 10.8% of all of his field goals made. This year, in 461 minutes, he's at 13 dunks. That dunk rate drops down to 2.82%. So if you project that over 82 games, we're looking at 3150 minutes, 3150 minutes. If you go at the current dunk rate, 89. If you bump it up to last year's dunk rate when you had the connectors, 110. So you're missing out on 21 dunks, 42 points, which is dang near half a point per game, just off of easy plays that he's not. Like we we're watching Shaden. We're watching Shaden out there. And yes, he's getting playmaking reps. That's great. But he is a multifaceted scorer who can score on and off the ball. And a lot is being asked of him to create for himself. Last year, 55% of his two-point field goals were, excuse me, 55% of his field goals were from two. 88% of his three-point field goals, they were assisted. Mm -hmm. People were handing the ball. That number drops down to 37% of his twos this year and 58% of his threes this year. That means he's having to do a lot of ISO heavy ball handling skills. He's not getting the, I know it's a product of scoot not being there, but he's just not being able to get easy buckets to use him off ball when he is fantastic. And I, I think you're, you're getting to a point now. I, he had the ten turnovers against the Lakers. That's going to happen. I, I I do think that's what development is going to look like. But you're putting a lot on him, and when you basically take away a major skill, he's one of the best cutters in the game. I mean, you see how he attacks the the rim uh, off of offensive rebounds. Like he just has a knack for knowing when and where to to make his move. When you remove that element, like that's a huge reason why I think the Blazers offense has been so pitiful this year is because there's just been no assisting. And that's a reason why they are last in assists. Um, so I, I think they need to, I know they're probably going to have a fire sale, probably going to get rid of Brogdon, which again, fine, but like they need to find a veteran who will just like a Nicholas Batum type of veteran, right? He's been in the game a while, can handle the ball, can pass. Like you have to find someone like that because this team is they're drowning offensively they, they they need they need some adults to help out lauren drogic is right a, a free agent and it, it's it's i feel like the the you can't because you're right you, you can't go full houston rockets last year you can't just have a bunch of young kids yeah like you need some and drogic would have been fabulous yeah it, it, it's it's not it it's simple reads that are just not being 
taken advantage of. Like there, those are there's so many reads, and you listed an example of oh, you that was just and that was just in the Utah game. Like, yeah. and I clearly he's my favorite player, so I'm like, oh, throw, throw like, and even on the radio, like you can start to hear Travis get excited, and he's like, and they just and he just you can just tell like it's it's not there and you go back and you watch the, the full game like that's exactly what i remember hearing and yes so, it was as bad as i remember hearing so i i think one the, the the guards that we have just don't make the reads and we if we really want the development of shade and sharp and those other those skills like the, the the off ball movement we just need to have a guy that knows how to make simple reads goran Dragic, like get jeff teague out of podcasting get him on the court to just like Jameer Nelson, I know he's way too old for it, but just like a guy to make simple reads, I think that makes Shaden's life a lot easier. But it's it's kind of confirmed to me that these guys that they're bringing in just aren't aren't capable of doing what needs to be done in order to highlight Shaden Sharp right now, and. That's the goal. That's the goal. For... I, also, I also think it's not doing Jeremy Grant any favors either. No, you're putting him in bad situations, but because it, I, it... I've been I've been critical on Jeremy, but I specifically watched this week. He does get a lot of grenades passed his way. Oh fuck yeah, he does. And like there are some plays that stand out, and I, I cringe, but this week it wasn't it wasn't too bad. And you start it, to realize it's that... like one or two a game. It's not a consistent thing. It's it's just like. Oh, he has to do this because we don't really have a point guard. And I get your thing about the connectors, but connectors are only good when the defense is rotating and reacting. We don't have any person right now that's making the defense rotate and react to what they're doing outside of Shaden Sharp. But really, it's hyper-focus on him. And same with Jeremy Grant. We need to get a guy that can go downhill and make a pass because... That's what our offense is based upon. When you look at Malcolm, Bro- what Malcolm Brogdon did, we need to get somebody downhill that can make a pass. And right now, well, this, this team has quite through. a few holes. It's just like you know, you got to find something, and then you move on to the next. You can't just go to the store and say, "I need everything." I th- I think a legitimate backup, like a legitimate vet, helps Shaden and and, and uh, Jeremy a lot more than you know, finding some starting small forward. Like, we need somebody to get this offense going. And if Scoot is going to take a while to recover from the from the ankle. It sounds like he could be back sooner than later, which is fabulous. That's great. But we we just need to get some downhill movement because it, it it's 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 not helping anybody right now with with offense. And then defense is good. It's just going to it's going to look bad a lot of these games. So I, I'm just assuming that our numbers are going to just drop down so much after that one thunder game. So it it, it really is like, and, and this is for our scouting and watching NBA. Now look at the, look at the ceiling plays, look at those highlight plays and just imagine them being more consistent with better players around them. Because right now, like I, I look at, these college players and I just have to be like, okay, I'm going to look at what they do that is successful and think about if this can be successful in the next level. You kind of have that. You have to have that. eye when you're watching this team, take those small victories and then build upon them. 
you don't don't think of this team as any sort of finished pro- project. This is a this is a we're, we're just starting to build that foundation. So hyper focus on those ceiling and highlight plays. Like I remember you talking about Sebastian Telfair throwing a behind the back pass to Hassan Jin. That's the type of shit you have to look forward to, not getting the snot beat out of you against the Thunder in November. That that's not going to help. But focus on those plays where it's like high level basketball. And that 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 is my advice for this year in the scouting realm because you have to be on your head, you have to be on your toes for all of these players that are coming out, and you have to be on your toes for, you know what, Shaden manipulated the screen, peeked behind DeAndre Ayton, hit a three that was the dagger. That's the type of shit we should focus on as fans, not the fact that we uh, let players. Screen, uh, set screens to get positive matchups and we do nothing to to fight that. On a positive note, I've been pleasantly surprised with Walker Reef as, as the backup center. I love having a floor spacer who it doesn't feel like it's forced. Like when Nurk started shooting threes, I'm like, this doesn't pass my smell test. When 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 Reef is out, I'm like, okay, it's fluid, it's quick, it's decisive. I I'm Given the tone of this offense, uh, I'll take that as as a shot it's, attempt. I I feel like they kind of force the pass to Reef because he takes a long time to load up. He does. needs the runway, and I feel like in those minutes where he's on the floor, we're like hyper focused. Reef's right there. I'm going to get him the shot, and then he takes his long. Load I, up I, time. Tell, I tell you what, he kept us in that Cleveland game for a long time because that was an and ugly then the, game. And then and the they, they was still, like, hey, this dude can shoot. Let's rotate fast. And then well, and also Donovan fast. Mitchell decided to take over too. Donovan's fucking good. That yeah. whole team's fucking good. But like as kind of a hidden gem coming out of nowhere, like I'm, I have no I'm, problem with him being our backup big. Nope. I like the guy. The uh, fact that he had spacing, that's gonna help Scoot and Shaden. Yes. Yeah, and he's he's a mobile big. He's not he's not too stiff out there. Uh, I, but we not, should not let him be on a point guard ever on that switch. So the guard that's defending the point guard in a pick and roll situation, let's I not mean, put Reef in the, that. Switch. Whether it's whether it's Terry or Chauncey, the the, the modern Blazers have switched way too easily, um, and we've had tough guys do the switch. So now when when uh. Skyler does it. I'm, I'm, I'm just. I feel bad for our centers having to guard these waterbug quick point guards. All right, let's get into this week's slate of games. Uh, they go to Phoenix uh, Tuesday for the last in-season uh, tournament game. Wednesday, another Tuesday, Wednesday, back to back. This time they're home for a, a quick trip against the Utah Jazz. And Sunday, they head out for a five-game road trip. We will talk about the first two, a rematch with, not a rematch, but the first time seeing Dame Lillard in a Bucks uniform taken on Milwaukee on November 26th. Then Monday, a back-to-back against uh, Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Sage, it's starting to get a little hot when it turns about the competition and uh 
Hopefully we don't see a repeat of OKC this week, but there are no promises because it, it is it's not a non-zero chance that we don't just get smoked. The tough schedule. Let's start with Phoenix. Bradley Beal out for a few more weeks, starting to feel a lot like the Brooklyn Nets with uh, KD, Kyrie, and Harden. They can never get those three on the court at the same time. It does appear that Malcolm Brogdon will return. Um, and this is a Phoenix team that Portland saw twice in the uh, preseason. But obviously, preseason and regular season are much different. Uh, Going to be interested to see just the body language. Um, performance how da looks is he is he geeked up for is he pressing how does he perform because he has always been since he's been arrived in portland he's played it very coy when it came to the phoenix suns but i'll be interested to see how he actually like physically looks out there like is he is he locked in or is he just like not ready for the moment because this this whether he'll admit or not i think this is a big game for him this is going to be emotional for sure one thing that i really i, I tweeted this have you noticed how well Eric Gordon fits in with these players? Like, I mean, Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen. I mean, Grayson Allen hit a big three for the Suns. Um, I want to highlight an Eric Gordon though. In the in the time left, I'm surprised. Of Eric Gordon is your arch nemesis. I, I fucking hate Eric Gordon, but I still play him in DFS, so I don't hate him as much as I once did. But what Eric Gordon does and what Malcolm Brogdon does could be really similar. I would love to scale Malcolm down and have him play that Eric Gordon role for us. Like the fucking vet heat seeker missile type shooter. He dribbled Eric Gordon dribbles the ball more than I would prefer to see, but like he has like a, a very nice scaled down version of what Malcolm Brogdon could do for us. I would love it if we could just steal the tape on the Phoenix suns, Malcolm, this is what we want you to do for these times you're here. You already have this amazing points per possession number. Let's get you to show off that you can still catch and shoot at a high level. So when I was, when I watched the Suns because I do for a DFS, I'm like, Damn, it was the Utah game. Their most recent game where Grace Nellon hit that, that double overtime, really fun game. Grace Nellon hit that dagger three for them. Okay. Well, yeah, I would love to see what we could do if we put, Malcolm in that Eric Gordon role for the, I mean for the Suns I just don't know how we possibly could stop uh Kevin Durant and if if uh Booker's playing I just think one of those two is going to have like a 45 point burger on us like I we're just not prepared defensively I hope that DA can outplay Yusuf but I, I really don't think that Yusuf's going to have a humongous part in this uh rotation when the suns are actually good so if da can just show and prove that he is worth the salary and the time and the commitment that we have to him i think that would be a a, a major victory for the portland trailblazers i wish portland was at full strength for this one because this is the type of team that you want to play early on mm-hmm. phoenix is just seven and six on the air they have won three straight but they're uh subpar two and four at home. So they have not been protecting home court, but this is not a full strength laser team uh, far from it. And I think Frank Vogel is a couple of tiers uh, ahead of Chauncey Phillips when, when it comes down to it, the Blazers did stun Phoenix last year. Uh, I believe Dame, Dame and, and, yeah, Dame didn't play. 
and Jeremy hit that that crazy buzzer beating shot. I don't see foresee that in in the cards. I, I think Phoenix uh, takes this one quite handily. Um, I think if the Blazers don't get a victory soon, it starts wearing on you. Regardless of if you're, especially if you're losing by bigger margins, if you're keeping it close, that's something to kind of. It's a little bit of a more morale boost, but when you're getting hammered, that can start to be like you don't look forward to the games. You just want them to be over with. Like there's just no juice that you have. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is a team that can 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 take the juice right out of you, like right off the bat. Like I, I the thing that I'm going to be most interested in is watching how Shaden Sharp defends Bradley Beal. And I, I want to see... You mean Book? Yes, excuse me, uh, Devin Booker. Shaden has been committing some really silly fouls. Do you and think, I think that lot, he's playing 45 minutes a game? I think a lot of it has to do with the, the, the minutes per game. Um, <laughs> I just want to see if he's able to stay grounded. Uh, Book loves to throw a lot of head fakes in there, a All lot of hesitation. Yeah. Yep. Um, pump fakes, especially when he gets the ball in the pivot. So how disciplined can he stay? And I think with what you said, you just want to see a couple of plays that you can hold on to that can kind of keep you warm during these cold winter nights. Um, like if there's a pick and roll where DA is rolling and Devin Booker is on that help side, if, if DA can just blam it on book that we won that game, even though we actually lost, I, I think a big issue for the Blazers and DeAndre Ayton is right now, Shaden Sharp is the only one capable of making a legitimate entry pass. I specifically remember the Utah game and they're trying to front him. DA has a beautiful seal. Basically, you just need to throw like a wide receiver over, over the shoulder. Shaden made a beautiful pass and it was an easy two for, for DeAndre. Every other time, like, the, they they just do not know how to get him the ball. Like it's, I don't know if it's some weird Portland thing because when Dame was here, we were terrible throwing lobs. But like, he's got pretty dang good hands. He, he's mobile. Mm-hmm. Like when he's got a seal, when he's got a mouse in the house, a, a mismatch, and you know those do happen for for us on occasion. You got to make the make it pay. But that's a long way of saying Phoenix is probably going to win, and I think they win big. I think Chris Murray's our second best passer. Right now, yeah, yeah. I mean, he made a couple of skip passes in the yeah. He made a skip pass, bro, and I'm like, "Well, goodbye, Skyler Mays. Hello, Chris Murray. (laughs) Welcome to our new point guard." (laughs) I mean, Doug, a skip pass has gotten me like, "Oh, bro, if Chris Murray can develop some passing, we're in trouble when he plays uh, 12 minutes a game." (laughs) Uh, Do you have win or loss? Oh, we're going to lose bad. Okay. Um, I agree. The Utah Jazz come into town. They have been fairly competitive uh, recently. As I mentioned, they took Phoenix to double overtime. Uh, obviously, uh, basically wiped us off the floor in that fourth quarter. Uh, they lost to Phoenix twice at home by a combined six points. Uh, they've been pretty... Is Walker Pretty healthy yet? No, Walker Kessler will not play. But um, 
John Collins is doing. I did not expect John Collins to uh, be that smooth shooting the three. This will be uh, both teams. Have you seen the photos of his hand injuries in Atlanta? No, I was going to say. Disgusting. uh, Don't look. I think that he finally recovered. Both teams will be on the second night of a back-to-back. Both teams will be traveling into Portland. So no advantage um, either way. But it will be interesting to see how they incorporate Walker Kessler uh, because they're probably going to start him. And I don't know how well either Lowry or JC will work at the three. But that is for another day, another problem for the Jazz. They are starting uh, rookie guard Keontae George. He looks looks pretty good. The key when you're playing this version of the Utah Jazz is always going to be Jordan Clarkson. He got off to a blistering start in the first meeting in Salt Lake City, and he really never cooled off. Um, it was a touch-and-go game, and then Portland just went dry. Like, mm-hmm. they they had nothing in the, the tank. They we'll have Malcolm this game, right? We should have Malcolm this game. And we, we're going to project Scoot out for this week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, at least for these, yeah, for the yeah. for the week. I, would okay. I think if Scoot was healthy, I think we actually would legitimately have a chance to win. But if we're running Malcolm Brogdon, Skylar Mays as our ball handlers, I just think that one, our, we are losing in the coaching department, and two, we're just going to lose in the guard department if Skylar Mays has a big impact in this game that's not going to be particularly good for the Portland Trailblazers in terms of winning a basketball game. So I'm going to have the Utah Jazz uh, getting this dub. I have the... This is a tough one. This is probably the only game I think... The this Blazers is a winnable to... game. This is a winnable game for a while. Like, if you don't get this one, you're starting to look at a double-digit losing streak, and then you're really starting to... Well, if you were Vegas, where would you have the line at? Like, who, who who's the favored? Whatever point margin you give the home team, that's what it is. Like, in football, it's three and a half. Mm. So, I would say the, probably give Portland a slight edge because okay. they're at home, but in, it feels like in the modern NBA, home court advantage isn't, isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Um, Kelly Olenek's been a pest. He was a pest oh, yeah, in that, that last game. Portland needs somebody to match his energy. Is it is it Jabari Walker? Is it is it is it is it Wreath? Like is it somebody has, maybe Tumani. I I need to see more from Kamara. Like what I've noticed is you talk about Wreath have taking a long time to shoot. Kamara has to be perfectly set and he needs a few feet he, of space. Yeah, he needs that runway. It takes him a while to load up. It's a slow-moving shot. He can't shoot off the dribble, and he can't shoot off movement. So, I mean, you're really looking at, like, a standstill shooter. And if you're a defender, you know that. So all you have to do is just make him take another dribble, take a step, like, close out just a little bit quicker because you you know he's going to take a while to get that shot off. Um, what if he got into his sh- – because I don't think – he I, I see Jabari and I see Chris with their hands up in the shooting pocket – if he got to his hands into his shooting pocket, I think it speeds his shot up immensely. It should be. It should be. It's a, it's a nice looking shot. It's not. It, it not just takes a lo- it's a load time issue. But I, I, I think, think if he was ready to shoot the ball at times, I think the load up would be fast enough for him to not be swallowed up by a, a good rotation. Yeah, I, I just I want to see. More from Tumani specifically on the offensive end, whether that's just like taking a couple of dribbles, maybe like it just seems like he gets the ball and he's passing it right back or he's doing a catch and shoot. Like 
or he's just not even touching the ball. Like, like I said, it, is he it, Tony Snell like? Really he had a Tony Snell stat line, the the infamous zero 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 for most of that Cleveland game, and he was he was starting. Like, I'm not a big M- Matisse fan, but at least he he's does at least yeah he's at least hitting forty percent of his threes. You know and, what's crazy? So I looked at uh, Tony Snell's like usage rate. Tumani's like three hundred percent below Tony Snell. Do you believe it? Because I kind of do. No, I absolutely like yeah. Sage. When I'm telling you, I watch games and I I forget that he's on the court. It, it's absolutely the case. Like, I don't know if he needs to cut more. I don't know if it's Billups telling him just to stay parked in the the corner. I I haven't really seen him out on the fast break. Like, there's I just need more. Um, I think it's a decision making thing as well. Like he's very slow to make a decision, right, bad or correct. He's a very slow decision maker on in that corner where, you know, you see Keegan Murray make that split decision. You see Chris Murray make a split decision. He doesn't have those reps to like, I have a decision to make here. I either shoot it or pass it. I'm going to take my time. He It just needs to be, he needs to rep it out. I think Portland gets the victory here if if Malcolm plays. Okay. I, I think I'll, I'll take that. Both teams are coming off of back to back. And I, I think they realize this is probably their their, their chance um for victory because I'll tell you right now, Sage, they're not beating Milwaukee and they're not beating Indiana. Uh I I mean, if you if you want to go into any detail in, in, in those games, I know Milwaukee. Oh, oh hell yeah, let's do it. I, I I'm not talking about the Milwaukee one. It's way too easy. Um, we're gonna They're get ten and four, one five in a row. They're starting to find their groove. Uh, obviously, they have the tame Giannis uh, duo. I, I, it's I, it's, a, it's a battle. I want to talk about Indiana though. Indiana is seven and five. I believe they lead the league in points per game at one twenty five point seven. They also give up one hundred and twenty eight. Yep. Point uh, one hundred twenty three point eight points per game. Um, they are five and three at home, and they have, I think, arguably one of the best young point guards in the game with Tyrese Halliburton. He some doesn't turn over the damn ball. Yeah. Some yeah. some flamethrowers in uh, Buddy Heald and Benedict Matherin. Uh, Miles Turner gets biz. Uh, Bruce Brown has been really taking his game to oh, level with the Pacers this year. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, like if if I'm Scoot, I hope he plays, but if I hope he is watching because Tyrese is, he, is Tyrese the guy that you would tell Scoot to watch. Yeah, I mean he had a he had a two game stretch where I think he had like fifty eight assists and zero turns. Yeah, yeah, fifty just just zero turnovers, mm-hmm. fifty eight assists. It must be nice to have all the spacing you could possibly want and play the point guard position because I feel bad for our point guards having to deal like, with. I yeah. I love. De'Aaron Fox, and I thought he was uh, much better than I thought he was, especially in that playoff series against Mm -hmm. the Warriors last year. The Kings made the wrong decision. They should have kept Tyrese Halliburton. That's how good and special he is. Like When you talk about Shea Gildas-Alexander, keep Tyrese Halliburton in that same breath when you talk about young lead guards because he's he's up there. The shot may look funky, but it's it's deadly. But I I think that it, it... I don't know who the hell is going to start for this game because it's impossible to predict, you know, a week out. But I think that if we don't succeed offensively against 
the worst team defensively. We have some serious issues that we need to We've address. We've got some serious those. internal yeah. questions. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I it's the lanes free, shots are free. We have to produce offensively in this game. If we lose, I don't care. We have to we have to score a hundred points. Yeah, uh, this will be the second out of the back-to-back as well. I, I think this, of all of the games, has the potential to get out of hand like the Oklahoma City game just because of the pace that Indiana wants to play at, the the shooting that they mm-hmm. provide. Like we, we talked about Portland's defensive numbers looking better, but also at the time the opponents weren't the caliber offensively, and we were giving up a lot of open looks from the perimeter Indiana is a team that unless they're really having an off night is going to make you pay and they'll do it. All right, real quick before we wrap this up, keep in mind the Blazers own a top 20, a top four projected warriors 2024 pick and they are performing below where I had them this year. Currently um, I believe they are sub 500. If you know, it's tankathon standing, so obviously it's not uh, exact, but Portland would have their, their own pick at number four, and they would also have a lottery pick number 12 from the Warriors. So when you're doing scouting, don't just look at you know the, the top players. Portland could potentially have a, a pick in the teens where maybe not a lot of people thought that. So I know we got some tough news with Robert Williams going out for the year, and that was one of the assets that we got in return for the Drew Holiday trade. But also that Warriors pick came over in that Drew trade with the Celtics as well. And whether Portland uses that pick for themselves or they identify another young player that they want to use to trade for it, uh, that just gives Portland more options. So, again, it's it's more like you have two potential lottery picks to, to scout for. The more the merrier. Uh, it just really... I think expands the prospects to... Oh, it's, it totally expands the pool, for sure. So can we talk about who we're going to do our deep dive on the future Fridays on? Cause you yes. told me about this player before I got a chance to really look at him. And Nikola Topic is. So you have, you have, you have Nikola Jokic for the nuggets. You have Joe. Nikola Jovic for the heat. <laughs> now uh, let us, we will soon introduce you to uh, Nikola Topic, who is a, a six, six lead playmaker uh overseas and uh sage very intrigued with the, the early, early his flashing can would be a complete and utter problem in this league because he gets so skinny when he drives it's it's pretty amazing uh, the the person that i would comp the way that he gets the basket to is bradley beal because bradley just gets incredibly skinny when he is penetrating and i, I think the patience offensively that topic has is pretty incredible so a very yeah. high tier prospect, one huge weakness, but we can get into that on the episode dedicated to him. But uh, are we are we good or? Uh, yeah, good. I just want to get to some positivity. We do have another draft pick like it's hey, rebuilding is tough. All I ask for is effort and you need to see development. And you need to see the 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 product the product on the the court. It's going to be great some nights. It's going to be mediocre some nights, and it's going to be downright unwatchable on mm-hmm. some nights. That's not what's important. It's are you seeing 
how, how are you seeing different ways in, to, to get Portland more spacing? Are, are you seeing them them fight? Is there camaraderie? Is there is there ball movement? Are, are they are they just trying new things? Like I think every rational Blazer fan can say that this roster is not a finished product. It's really not what it should be from a, a injury standpoint either, like a, a healthy roster. So you're definitely going into games with one hand tied behind your back most nights. But are you making the same mistakes over and over again, or are you figuring out ways to get shade and off ball? Are you figuring out ways to make Tumani more incorporated in the office offense? Can you get DeAndre the ball? Can you make it so Jeremy doesn't have to have such a huge role with the ball in his hands? Can you get him open? Like you can get shade and like, can you just find different ways to a, a basically address the problem is, you know, how do we get the ball in the basket? That That's Portland's major problem right now. How are we looking attacking that problem? Are you just doing the same thing over and over again? Or are you trying something new? Are you finding some solutions that you can build upon when you get your reinforcements uh, down the line? Could you imagine our passing levels if we had Scoot and Topic? I mean, you kind of, so the reason why, really quick, why I'm intrigued with Topic is you see the success that the Thunder are having with Giddy and Gildas Alexander. They've got an untraditional lineup and giddy is maybe one of the most untraditional players in this this game but they make it work and that's where it's like okay he's six six so you have some defensive like once he grows into his frame like you've got some size out there you're not losing anything uh height wise you had another playmaker like it starts to you can start to get we, a little hey, I, I gotta stop you here don't ever say nikola topic and defense in a positive light because he is one of the worst i've i've i've, I've seen I said develop into actually I didn't say defense. I said size, six six size. No, you said the word defense, and he doesn't deserve that because he's a uh, he's real bad. That the the one humongous weakness that I've talked about. My man can't well, defend. Six six, you can hide a six six bad defender. All right. Well, we will talk about this once I get back from this Thanksgiving vac- vacation. And we'll go into a real deep dive of Nikola Dovich. So thank you all for listening. We will be back in a week, maybe sooner, talking about some draft stuff. Thank you all for listening. We are out of here. I will remember to edit out my pee break, and I will get this out tomorrow, probably. Peace. Night, bud.